0: Blue Liar. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you with a little bit of a different kind of episode today. I spoke with Derek Ciapala from Rams Talk Radio about Troy Hill and John Johnson III, and then Derek Larger from the Bring the Juice Colts podcast about Anthony Walker, probably the signing that Jordan and I disagreed the most on. So I talked to both those guys about the kind of players that the Browns got in free agency. I wanted to get their perspectives as two guys who have watched every snap of those guys over the last several years. So spoke with both of them for a little while. Jordan couldn't make it on either of these, but he will be back over the weekend to talk about any Browns news and holes in the roster going forward here and all of that and more. Apologies also for the audio. When I talked to Derek, it went through my computer instead of the microphone. So not quite the usual there, but I still think it was a great conversation. So appreciate you sticking with us there. Here are my conversations with Derek and Derek. All right. And we're back here on the rebuild with guest Derek larger from bring the juice Colts podcast, Derek. Happy to have you on tonight to talk a little bit of Anthony Walker. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait to talk about your uh, future linebacker and Anthony Walker here.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, he he has a special place in my heart for sure. Uh, I was a Northwestern Wildcat when Anthony Walker was on the team as well. He was a standout player for us. So I followed his career briefly, you know, fifth rounder to the Colts, and, and now he ends up on the Browns. After that initial rookie contract, and, and, and Derek, between my my co-host Jordan and I, we were split on, on this Anthony Walker signing uh, okay. in terms of how we felt. I was more on the negative side, actually, despite my ties to Anthony Walker in the past. So, okay. my first question to you really is just, what did you think of, of Anthony Walker during his Colts career? What was your evaluation of him as a player?
1: Well, I mean, honestly, you know, we kind of look at you know, the defense in Indianapolis as a whole has really grown a lot over the last couple of years. And, you know, Walker's never really been the big name. It's kind of gotten overshadowed by one Darius Leonard and then DeForest Buckner. Those are names that continuously get thrown out there. But honestly, I can sit here and tell you that I think that throughout all of Anthony Walker's career, This guy has been the most reliable piece and has been the most foundational piece on this defense that we have seen through all of it. I mean, when he was drafted, I mean, he was brought in when this defense was still trash. I mean, it it was terrible. And then we draft Anthony Walker and then, you know, in in a defense that had nobody really that was any good or any worth mentioning, Anthony Walker goes out and gets 90 plus tackles that year. And then the next two years after, he's getting a hundred tackles every season. I mean, this guy really is showing how much of a dynamic player he can be, especially in the run game. And I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I mean, me personally, I am a giant Anthony Walker guy. Uh, ask anyone that uh, ask Cody or ask anyone that follows our podcast knows that I am a giant Anthony Walker uh, fanboy. I was very disappointed when I saw that he was, um, going to end up going to the browns because you know I thought Anthony Walker really uh was such a pivotal piece to this defense that a lot of people just really don't understand so throughout his tenure here with Indianapolis he has really built up a great resume and I think you guys are getting a, or the browns are getting a really good one here
0: interesting interesting i uh, obviously that makes me smile as a browns fan that you think that highly of him even as the one who's slightly down on it look he absolutely was Extremely productive, going all the way back to his days at Northwestern, and then uh, you mentioned it—couple hundred tackle seasons uh, in Indianapolis. So the the raw numbers certainly pop off the charts. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'll take it directly to where you started with the run game. The Browns' run game graded out pretty poorly this year, and I think was look the whole defense was a weakness for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it was spotty in multiple areas, but the run game was. Definitely an area that I think Browns fans were looking for a little bit more production out of their linebackers. Tons of tackling issues out of the Browns linebackers this year. It sounds like you're pretty optimistic about Anthony Walker's role in the Colts run defense, because I've seen things out there just reading from Indianapolis coverage that some people really liked him in the run game. And some people there were some complaints also about tackling issues with him, especially as he tried to make some of the more instinctive plays.
1: I'll make I'll make the argument that he's right there with Darius Leonard as uh, as good in the run game of tackling and everything else scheme wise as Darius Leonard. I mean, honestly, I can sit here and tell you that. Um, the, the crazy part is, is you're right. I had a friend. I have a friend who's a Browns fan. And as soon as they signed him, I said, you guys are getting one of the best run stopping linebackers in the NFL at any point right now. And he's like, good. That's exactly what we need is somebody in the middle to organize and figure out how to stop this. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've kept an eye on what Darius Leonard has said about Anthony Walker, but when uh, Darius Leonard was drafted. And after the year that he had where Darius Leonard led the league in tackles and was becoming a phenom right after his uh, rookie year, he said, that the whole reason that I get to play the way I get to play is because of Anthony Walker, because of his ability to make sure we are all in the right place at the right time to make the right play, especially in the run game. So when you have a linebacker like Darius Leonard, that's telling you that Anthony Walker is the reason why he gets to play the way he does. And he gets to, and he plays as good as he does. I think that shows you just how smart Anthony Walker is and how dedicated he is inside that locker room. So, you know, on top of the production that you'll get from him, which I'm going to be completely honest is, is so it's such a steal for $3 million. I'm just telling you that. But on top of that, you're going to get a leader in that defensive locker room. You are going to get a leader. You're going to get a guy that's going to lead by example. He's going to make sure that he holds guys accountable. And I think that's another great thing about him because every single guy in the locker room, miss is going to miss him in Indianapolis because of what he brings
0: and see this is the biggest pro that my co-host Jordan brought up is he saw Darius Leonard as another high character guy which it seems like the Browns have gone after those pretty exclusively in free agency as far as their signings are concerned uh, for the most part, I, maybe not with Tack McKinley, but the other guy's really high character. And, and there was the videos that uh, about Darius Slendert saying that about Anthony Walker and oh, that fits right in with it. And he, a lot of the rest of the Browns linebacker room is extremely young. Taki Taki, Jacob Phillips, uh, Mac Wilson, all these guys are really young as well. And so he was saying, hey, he can provide a, a leadership and a stability there. My problem with that, I guess, is the other contracts the Browns gave out to these other guys is, are three and four years. This almost feels like a one-year stopgap potentially for Walker if the Colts didn't want him back. So I, I guess my my reservations with it is how much does that leadership tr- you know matter if he's not a long-term piece, and it kind of feels like he might not be, especially when the Browns chose to bring him in over, it seems like re-signing B.J. Goodson. Now, Goodson hasn't signed anywhere yet. He could come back to the Browns when, as of when we're recording this. But it that's that's my only issue with, with that logic. But everybody is saying what you're saying. Extremely high yeah. character, and he's going to rub off on these guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Walker plays a lot of the game the same way that Joe Shobert did. So many years, you know, really great guy in the middle that plays the run really well. Um, yeah, I I was surprised at it only being a one-year deal, but honestly, I think that just due to like this free agency in total, we've seen a lot of guys only get one-year deals, right? Everybody's getting everybody for cheap, they're getting them for one-year deals because of the cap hit and everything else that's going on. So You know, maybe it's something that, you know, it's because of the fact that they want to try. The Browns are so active right now. I mean, they've been signing so many guys, you know. I mean, it's no wonder they're going for the short-term deals. And you're right. Who knows if Anthony Walker is going to be a a future linebacker for you guys? I don't know. But, I mean, the thing is, is just, again, for the production you'll get for $3 million, uh, and the ultimate reason why he didn't resign with Indianapolis is due to the fact that his playing time was getting cut, you know, because Bobby Okereke is lined up right next to him and Bobby Okariki's more athletic. He's better in coverage. I mean, that's ultimately what the Colts want out of a linebacker like Bobby Okereke because he's like, he's long like Darius Leonard. He's fast like Darius Leonard and he's better in coverage. You know, it's unfortunate that Anthony Walker, the one bad thing, uh, that's a part of his game is I would say he's a, below average linebacker when it comes to uh, this uh, being in coverage but ultimately again when you're talking about the pros and cons of everything I think his production in the run game and what he provides for the rest of the defense and organizing it is worth the chance of potentially losing a few snaps when it comes to the pass coverage
0: well that's interesting that you bring that up too because I feel like that's something where the Browns are kind of uh, Browns fans again are split a little bit. And I've seen, as I've tried to educate myself on Anthony Walker's people, there are some advanced numbers that suggest his coverage isn't as bad as it seems, but a lot of the people watching him on a game to game basis, like yourself are saying, eh, you know, don't pay attention quite as much to those numbers. That's really not his strong suit. And so the Anthony Walker, replacing BJ Goodson, BJ Goodson struggled immensely to cover. It was, it it was one of the pivotal plays in the Browns' season is when the Chiefs were able to pick up a couple first downs and run out that the game. The first first down they picked up was a play where they just straight up isolated a running back on B.J. Goodson and said, "You have no chance at covering this guy out in the flat." And and they didn't. I think it was it Williams for the Chiefs, if I'm remembering correctly. And so Browns fans, I think, are looking for a little bit more there. But I know yeah. Walker's game. I it seems like is a little bit more. He, he's the, the prototypical physical middle linebacker who's gonna step up a little more in the run game
1: yeah and, and you know one of the one of the great things is, is you know what his game is so ultimately you know if it's third and long and you it's an obvious passing situation you know you can bring Anthony Walker off the field put a guy out there that you know is going to be more protection against something of that coverage um you know that was a lot of what the Colts had to do this last season, especially, you know, with Bobby Okereke coming into his own, you know, Darius Leonard and Bobby Okereke out in the flat. And then you put a fifth uh, defender out there in in the secondary, oftentimes, you know, that allows you to be flexible. So you can move around with Anthony Walker. But again, I just, the way, just the run production itself outweighs the coverage concerns. And like a lot of, like me, I'm not like most Colts fans who think that he is just a complete liability in pass coverage I mean this guy does have a couple interceptions in his career he has a couple I mean it's not I'll like Baker Mayfield last year yeah right exactly that's the one I was just thinking about I mean he, he has a couple you know it's, he's not terrible in coverage he has a few bad plays every now and again but you know I, I, average to below average I guess you could still get a lot worse than that so yeah I
0: the last thing I guess that I, I want to bring up and you're, you 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 have mentioned it a couple of times is why Anthony Walker might be a free agent. And that's actually comforting me a little bit more. And you're, you're bringing me along here. Huh? You're getting, you're turning me around to Anthony Walker, given, okay. you know, yeah. what you've said about the run game, I, that, that part, certainly I, I like to hear. And the other major concern I have, and you've mentioned it with Bobby Okereke maybe the reason he's a free agent is I believe in the Colts front office, right? I, <laughs> I think Chris Ballard's a good GM I think they've got a smart head coach. They've got plenty of cap space. That's not an issue. Yeah. And so when he signed with the Browns, my first thought was, well, why is he a free agent at all? Why are the Colts letting him go here in a front office that I believe in? Yeah. When, when the first thought I have with every free agent and why I like the Browns and the Rams guys so much is okay. Why are they on the free agent market? Right. And in the Rams case, you're like, okay, they can't afford them. But in this case, the, the Colts definitely could have afforded him. They just let yeah. him walk though. And that's where I'm, when I'm a Browns fan, I'm like, ah, oh, they had him in his, in their building and they let yes. him walk to me. That that scares me a little
1: bit. Okay. Well, I can certainly tell you for every Browns fan that watches this, I can, I can answer that question for you specifically. And I answered it a little bit earlier is that it's not about the money with Anthony Walker. It was never about that. But the ultimate issue was, Anthony Walker wanted to go somewhere where he was not going to play only 30% of the snaps. He was not going to go somewhere where he was going to continue to lose those snaps due to Bobby Okereke uh, coming up and Darius Leonard being the way that he is. I mean, ultimately, you know, it, it's one of the few times that we see in free agency where a guy said, no, it's not about the money. That's the issue. It's about playing time. Right. Cause I think Anthony Walker certainly is capable of being a starter in this league. And you know, for a defense that is like you said, struggling a little bit in run defense department, I think that fits perfectly with what he's able to provide. So again, that's why you guys were able to get him so cheap. Ballard uh, has said that he wanted to bring Walker back. He said, Walker to him is like a son to him. He, he has, wow. he said there are very few guys that have come through the Colts organization since he's gotten there, that he has developed such a strong relationship with other than Anthony Walker. I mean, it tells you again, just how much Ballard loved this guy. And that's why ultimately I think he was, he was comfortable with letting Walker go because in a weird way, you know, he wanted, he, he, When his players test free agency, he did the same thing with Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, before he signed with the Dolphins, he kept saying the whole time, oh, well, don't forget about Brissett in the mix, right? Brissett could come back and be the starting quarterback for this next year. He didn't actually mean that. He's saying that to continue to market himself higher in other places so he can get more money because he knows that Brissett's not going to stick around because he wants him to get a better place. And I think ultimately that's what he wanted to do here. It's not about the money for him. He wanted him to be in a in a place where he felt Walker would be more appreciated and more used in their system and Cleveland fits perfectly for him.
0: Well, again, again I think that's fantastic context for the listeners out there because now it, it kind of falls into place if we start – thinking about this signing. He takes a one-year deal. It's a prove-it deal where he can get back on the market still in his mm-hmm. mid-20s if he was threatened by playing time. And then to me, that also indicates from a Browns perspective that, hey, m- maybe B.J. Goodson really is for sure gone. It's it, it, This move already augured that, that B.J. Goodson was probably moving on. I think some Browns fans were of the mindset that, hey, B.J. Goodson could come in and compete But if that's the logic for Anthony Walker leaving, I assume Walker got some assurances from the Browns that, Hey, we're bringing you in here to be the starter. So that, that, that to me kind of aligns all the dots getting that context.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree.
0: Derek, this was fantastic. I appreciate you coming on and providing all of this information about Walker as much as I try to follow his career, as much as I catch the Colts on many Sundays, it's never quite like somebody who watches every snap of every game for the team. So thank you so much for coming on and we'll, uh, we'll have to do it again soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And to all the Cleveland fans, you guys, please take care of Anthony Walker, please. (laughs) I'm going to miss him so much. I loved him. He was one of my favorite players. I really hope that he gets another 110 tackles with you guys next season. Hopefully just doesn't do anything against the Colts. Let's just hope that, but outside of that, he can have all the tackles that he wants, man. I'll take it.
0: All right. All right. I hope so too. Thanks, Derek. All right. And we're back here on the rebuild. I am very excited to welcome on Derek C. Apollo from Rams talk radio to talk about the Browns agents and Derek I know you also have some Cleveland ties some Ohio roots so I can't wait to get your perspective on, on two of the Browns biggest free agent additions here
2: well I mean yeah and it's a tough loss to the Rams that's for sure um, these two you got John Johnson and, and Troy Hill those are big parts of the Rams defense the last couple of years and and uh, it's unfortunate that it will lose them. And that's going to, you, you, you get me on a tangent with that one. I got some serious problems with how the NFL does business with this stuff because of it.
0: Yeah, so. I guess that's why do we start there? I guess. because And I want to just make sure I have the context, right. As far as the Rams can, are concerned and, and you can do that for me is when the Browns sign anybody in free agency, my first thought is always, okay, why are these guys free agents? And just, the Rams, from everything I, I've read about their situation, obviously they they paid a lot of money to Aaron Donald and Jalen Rams Ramsey, and so they're kind of spent a lot of their cap uh, on those top guys, right? And I think the prevailing idea is okay, they couldn't afford to bring these guys back on big contracts. Is that true as far as the Rams situation, or is there a more context to it as far as why these guys were on the open market?
2: Well, I mean, you got Troy Hill for two years nine mil roughly four and a half a year they could have found the money for that they did find the money for that actually matter of fact when it was just released i think it was yesterday where all the restructure numbers came out and what the rams did i want to let me kind of lay this out though the ram i don't think there's a team in the league better at playing the numbers than the rams they make magic happen in their books that I have not seen any other franchise in the league do. And I'm not saying that because I cover the Rams. I'm saying that I, because it's just the look at what they've done in being able to restructure people, renegotiate people uh, get fridge and squeezed in. They, what they did was they took a roster that was about 24 million over the cap or more, depending on who you talk to. And cleared out roughly 34 million out so by the time they got done restructuring they had about 10.25 million in cash space
0: what well, i mean that's interesting then so let's let's start with john Johnson because i feel like that was the, the first domino to drop in the biggest one probably for the browns so far in free agency is that the reason you think he he's gone with his age a consideration there
2: no no, not at all. Um, I think with him, it was purely money. And the Rams kind of have ongoing thing. They're they are spoiled with their own. They're, they're spoiled at their own quality. Let me say that. And this is where I kind of have a beef with the NFL. And I would have this beef if it was any team that does what the Rams do. Okay. So this is what the Rams do every year. Whether you agree with their decisions on contracts or not, whether you like the deals they make or not, they have shown that they are willing to spend top dollar on the stars. They are willing to put out the big bucks. They've also shown that they're one of the best teams in the NFL at, at developing players. And This is where my beef with the NFL comes in. The NFL has this cap that basically, if you develop a player from draft day on, a lot of times, if you're a team that is willing to invest in players, you can't afford to keep those guys. And that's the case with the Rams. And this happens to the Rams all the time. The Rams are one, I mean, this people don't understand how good this Rams organization has been in developing, especially defensive players, especially talent. They haven't had a first round pick since 2016. And if you go back to the 2017 draft, look at the players who produced from that draft or where they are now making money, look at the 2018 draft and how they contributed to the roster 2019. They usually have a much higher percentage of their roster made up of the draft picks and they develop them. But when it comes time to paying them, they can't afford to pay them because these guys went from being a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, million dollars a year to $11 million a year guys when you're out there having to pay other stars as well. And this is why I have a problem with the NFL. Basically, the NFL, what the NFL does is it punishes teams like the Rams, who are very good at player development. They develop the stars, and then they can't afford to keep them. You could say, well, you could just control your salary capital. You can. Then you're trying to win the Super Bowl. That's the whole you should spend money. You're called cheap in the NFL if you don't. Look at the Bengals. Constantly hammering for being cheap. A lot of other teams like that. And nobody wants to play for them because they know they're cheap. So that's kind of my problem with the NFL. That's what happened to John Johnson. John Johnson is a major get for the Browns. He's 25 years old. Yes. He's no, he's no longer 21, 22. The guy is a stud. He should be manning. The rams in the secondary he should be leading that secondary for the next five, 10 years he was their defensive captain he made the balls back there he kept that secondary in order he is a guy that the browns will love fans will love him they will absolutely love this guy he's a leader L- losing john johnson is a huge loss for the rams and, and- it's a big game for the browns it's i mean it's, it has nothing to do with ability it has nothing to do with age it's everything to do with the fact that you can only pay so many people and the NFL basically does punish you punish you for developing your players the rams drafted Aaron Donald he was great but he got better with
0: who the rams they that partnership made him into the guy who makes this kind of money now absolutely i you're you're right and i think this is a situation where the browns obviously are, are the winners in that where, because John Johnson couldn't stay with the Rams, he looked elsewhere and there are reports that he even took less money to come to what he felt was an ideal situation with the Browns. And you brought up his leadership. And I think that sometimes that, that could be overrated in the NFL, but when it comes to somebody like this, who's going to be a key piece, right? He's 25 years old. He's going to be part of the core. He's got a multi-year deal the Browns are a young defense. That was something that stood out to me as it seems like he was universally praised for that. When he signed with the Browns across the NFL, everybody is saying what a great guy he is. What a leader he was in that locker room. It sounds like you're corroborating all of those other reports that I saw as far as, Hey, this is a, a high class high character guy that could come in and help change the culture. In addition to his play on the field.
2: I mean, let, let's say it this way. Okay. If Aaron, Aaron, If Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are not on that defense, the person we're talking about is John Johnson. He is, he made, he made that defense go beyond the front seven, meaning the front four. Okay. Of course, Aaron Donald is a big guy there. Let's talk about Jalen Ramsey, but John Johnson doing what John Johnson does in the huddle. John Johnson doing what he does in the center of the field as a safety. Made it possible for Jalen Ramsey, Darius Williams to do their thing on the outside. For Troy Hill to do his thing on the outside. They didn't have a good linebacker for last year. They were able to mask a lot of that because of how good the secondary was and how good Aaron Donald was up front with Michael Brockers and H. John Robinson and Sebastian Joseph Day. They were able to mask a lot of that. And that John Johnson's a big, big part of that. And so the Browns are getting somebody. You know, I, I think of, I go back over the years to the Browns, and I can't. I mean, unfortunately, I can't talk really much about the last twenty. But you go back to legendary Browns years, secondaries, with Frank Minifield and so on and so forth. In the remember those guys? I mean, maybe you don't. You're a little younger. I, I was going to say a little before okay. my time,
0: but I have I have heard of of, of Frank, of course.
2: Frank Minifield was an, a great secondary. It was some bangers, and that secondary that's kind of more what john johnson will bring he he will remind people of those years and those are that's that's a good thing if i'm the browns i'm fostering this relationship with him i am doing everything i can to keep him i'm not keeping him there for just three years his only drawback his only drawback has he's had a couple injuries here and there and so you you want to invest in his him physically you want to you want to do everything, everything he needs to keep him healthy on the field. You got yourself a leader. You got a captain. He's a playmaker. People don't, people don't talk about that a lot, but he is a playmaker. He's a phenomenal playmaker. He, he did things at times. And then you go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, he was the guy that kind of pulled things even together back when the Super Bowl run, when the Marcus Peters was struggling in Wayne Phillips system he kind of zeroed things in at the end and helped tie it together. I'll never forget the scene when they, when Marcus Peters got the interception, they had the interception I remember it was him that picked it off at Drew Brees in the championship game. And you see the motorbike scene. And I'll never forget that. And all, all those guys are gone. I mean, losing John Johnson was a tough one for a guy who covers the
0: Rams. There's I, I can, no question I can. about it. I can hear the pain in, in your voice. I, talk to me about his game a little bit. I, I've obviously watched the Rams in their biggest games. I, I catch them on Sundays, you know, on red zone and all of that. But I haven't seen every single snap of, of John Johnson the third's career by any means either. And I know you have. So just for the listeners out there, describe how he plays the safety position. Is he, you know, a, a more physical guy in coverage? I mean, co- coverage is his calling card. I think everybody can agree on that as as far as his game is concerned. But, but talk to me a little bit about the style. What can Browns fans expect when they see John Johnson the third on the field in, in that secondary?
2: It's a little strange because a lot of times you won't notice he's there until he's there. Like a game will be going on, and you will probably zone in on somebody else who is a bit more charismatic, a bit more vocal, a bit more flashy. But then all of a sudden he'll pop in and make a play. So I, I'll give him the intangibles, the, the leadership. You'll see that. You'll see the playmaking out of nowhere. You'll be shocked. You wouldn't have seen him there, and all of a sudden he's there. Okay. Um, you, could, you could test. You could put that testament, I think, is, is his ability to focus in and zone in a play and, and track the football. He's able to read anything an offense does. So what you're getting is somebody who's instinctual. You're getting somebody who has a knack for being in the right place at the right time and a guy who ensures that safety is sound. All the Browns have to do is put halfway decent talent there with him. And that secondary will be better. He makes the secondary better now. I mean, come on, let's be honest. The Browns secondary last year is hot trash. We all know it, okay? But he instantly changes all that. And if they're smart, they'll, they'll get a good young corner to pair him with that is a man-to-man guy and you're off to the races.
0: It, you, you brought it up. The Browns, if you just look at PFF, were the worst graded safeties in the league last year. And of course, John Johnson, I think was graded third overall. So that kind of says it if you look at the numbers, but I think everybody could tell from the eye test as well in that chiefs game and other games that the Browns played the Monday night game against the Ravens safety was a constant issue for this team that John Johnson is going to solve. And the Browns were weak in a lot of areas, and, and a pass coverage is number one, and they definitely need John Johnson for that. Something that stood out to me is he's also—it it seems like it's pretty solid in the run game as well. And I've seen some clips of him coming up and making some plays in the hole there. He—if you look at the analytics grades, he typically grades out pretty decently there. Do you, do you see it? He doesn't strike me as a physical. Specimen. When when I watched, you know, some clips of him on the field, he's he's got a tons of speed, but it seems like he does come up and make plays in the run game as well. Is that right?
2: We had to be. The Rams linebackers have been train wrecks in the last two years. If you go back to last season, not this, not 2020. Look at 2019 and when the the Ravens game on Monday night where they just dismantled the Rams. Okay, that was. The epitome of how bad the Rams linebackers were. And John Johnson was forced to really become a run stopper. He makes a lot of plays, and he's a harder hitter than people realize he is. He is a very, very good hitter. And I, I would think you would underestimate him if you don't think he'll go there and make a hit. I'll be, I mean, when I think of him right now in the Browns uniform, I see him being the kind of guy you can depend on to make plays against, you know, the Ravens running game, the, the Browns running game, okay? Especially if you have a solid linebacking core where, you, where he has um, support to go up there and make a play as well. You know, the Rams really did a great job of masking their weaknesses last year. And part of that was John Johnson being a run stopper. So, I mean, I can't say it enough, John Johnson is a tremendously underrated safety. The Browns got, to me, a guy who could be not just a pro war. he should have been a pro war by now. Point blank, he should have been. I'm talking like an all pro. Okay, you, you got a great one. And um, the leadership, again, I keep going back to it, but the leadership part of it, with run stopping, You if you're a run stopping safety, who also can play the pass, who also makes the calls on the, on the defense, who also solidifies the secondary of where his coverages go. If you, ha- if you could have a safety like that, you, you would be describing someone's potential Hall of Famer. But you wouldn't call him that now, would you? But that's what I see for him if he stays healthy. So, I, I mean, I can't say enough good things about John Johnson.
0: Well, you're you're certainly making me excited as a Browns fan. That's for sure. And I that that's what it felt like when when the Browns signed signed him. It was weird because he's not this huge, as you mentioned, he's not a huge flashy name, right? He hasn't been named a, a, to an all-pro team, even though he's played you know at, at that kind of level. He hasn't even been named to a Pro Bowl. Uh, it, but despite that, everybody was so high on, on the signing. Everybody I trusted covering the Rams, covering football was just, you know, raved about him. And so as Jordan and I were talking on the podcast I and mean, we just kept going over these positive things, we were like, yeah, he checks every box. It feels like he mentioned it really. The only downside is he's been banged up a, a, a couple times, but it, it, it felt like a signing, which this is rare in free agency. You feel like usually there's obviously a reason those guys are on the market. They have some sort of inefficiency, but it felt like, for John Johnson, really, the only thing was, hey, he's got to stay healthy. But as long as he's on the field, you're good to go. And, and the Browns just desperately. need
2: I think play. if the Rams, the Rams got real fortunate, and their six round pick last year, Jordan Fuller, did more than pan out. Like he was a starter from day one. He had Taylor Rapp they drafted in the second round the year before. Taylor Rapp's more of an in-the-box guy, which concerns me a lot. And then, But they also drafted Tyler Burgess, who got hurt, but he played well. They have Nick Scott, who they got from Penn State in the draft. He's catching a theme here. Okay, they've dev- all those guys they developed. That's why I'm saying there's not a team in the league right now that's been better at developing the players they get in the draft. That's why they don't care about trade-away first-round picks, because they know how good they are at developing players. That's why every year when people make fun of the Rams or training with a first-round pick, I'm like, eh. They've proven time and time again. They, they overcome it every single time. Now, will they do it this time when they've lost three-quarters of their staff and they're re- refilling everything? anything? We'll find out. But um, their ability to develop guys is the reason why John Johnson goes. I mean, And it's also a reason why they couldn't keep him. The NFL, I think, it needs to change that rule down the line. Man, the Browns right now, look at the Browns. Browns are compiling a roster of talent across the board. These are young guys in a lot of cases. What happens in three, four years as you develop these guys into stars? And all of a sudden, you can't keep them even though you want to keep them. But you're doing all the work to develop them. It It seems completely wrong to me that a franchise will be penalized for doing what they should do is developing their stars.
0: I, I honestly, you bring up an interesting point. I and mean, I, of course it's been a topic with the Browns as far as keeping some of their guys down the line. You know, a lot of these guys are, are still on early deals. And I think part of the reason the Browns haven't made any giant signings in free agency, you know, really shelled out tons of money for pass rusher or anything like that is there's you know, the offings of a Baker Mayfield extension and a Nick Chubb extension potentially that are going to cut down on that space and you bring it up, it could be tough to keep everybody. But so that's an interesting point. And in this case, of course, you know, they, they definitely benefit fr- from John Johnson III in that rule, but you're almost bringing up more of an NBA style where the team's get an advantage with, uh, you know, the way that the NBA has bird rights. That that could be something that comes into the NFL as well. well I don't know if you bird rights. I think you should be allowed to go over the cap for
2: for at least a couple of developmental players a year to keep them. doesn't mean they have to stay, but if you want to be able to pay them and they want to stay, you should be able to be able to do that. You, that should be an exception to the cap rule, in my view. Because otherwise, what message are you sending? The teams that develop talent then see them all go. We'll give you a comp pick. Great. A third-round comp pick to start all over again. A third-round comp pick. Okay. At this point, the guy's a first-round talent, and you're losing them.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's why the Browns fans are, are so excited as they're getting a guy sure. that, that has, has such talent. And, I, I'm, not, and I,
2: I'm not trying to, by the way, complain. I think it's just I, – I mean, listen, most of my family are Browns fans. I mean, I've seen the pain. I've seen the suffering. I've been to many Browns games myself. If There's a team I follow outside of the Rams. It's the Browns because of the family you know, closeness. I want to see the Browns successful. I don't want them to have to make the same decisions down the line that Rams do, but they're going to have to, because they are, they've done a good job compiling talent and they just got more talent. They've had a great off season. And if they draft well, this time as well, like this Browns team is not the Browns team of a couple of years ago. This, and this tells you really, in my view, how much of a train wreck, how how much the coaching staff the past couple years have held them back. They finally, in one year, of just getting the right guy, look what you got. But to me, they've had the talent there for a couple of years.
0: And, I, and that's why I think this season is so exciting, and this offseason has been such a boon for the Browns. And I want to I transition just over to Troy Hill a little bit, too, because I, yeah, as I mentioned, I wanted to start with John Johnson. He, I think, is the prize free agent so far that the Browns have signed. But slot corner, was a disaster as well last year the Browns were playing Kevin Johnson there it did not work out it was it was a place that had to be upgraded in in every sense and also their their second corner on the outside Terrence Mitchell was a stopgap replacement for Greedy Williams who was out the whole season as well and I know Troy Hill can can play inside and outside and and you brought up the contract it was four years at first it's really two years and which wasn't surprising we kind of speculated that but talk to me a little bit about troy hill he's, he's played a couple different ways for the rams what was your view of him as a player
2: my view of him is has really changed over the years here um there were times early on in his career where he would come in and he would look phenomenal and then he would just get absolutely exposed embarrassingly exposed and you don't want to get rid of him and so really really that's why he's 29 years old by the way and just now out there getting contract they kept keeping him because they liked him they kept keeping him because he contributed something but they couldn't quite trust him to start notice they didn't trust him to start now however what i've seen out of him in the last two years. in many cases, has been pro-bowl worthy. And that's where the real problem was because Darius Williams over there for the Rams was doing the same darn thing. And you know, Williams is younger. So for Troy Hill, he's a casualty basically of his age. You know, He took longer time to develop. I think he is better off more at the two than in the slot. He can cover number one receivers. He can. Not perfectly. He takes risks. He gets burned. But he'll also make some amazing plays that will remind you of why the Rams kept him for so long. So it's a good signing. It's a worthy signing. I think you might have some problems really finding his role, though, because he, in my view, really does play the two better and he rises to challenges like he, he most of his dumb mistakes i saw with his career were in situations where he, he wasn't really a challenge for him like you put him against number one receiver or a really good two and you seem to see him make his best game make best performances best games so you know Troy Hill, I think, is a is a good signing. He's worth the money. I think he'll be extra motivated. To play the front of a home crowd. You know, he's from Youngstown, so I think that it's a good sign for the Browns. It's a really nice sign for the Browns. And it'll really solidify the the corner position out there. And, and you know, putting you know Denzel Ward, with John Johnson, Troy Hill out there, you know, the secondary is already better already better 10 times better
0: well and it's interesting you brought up you think he's better as, as the two because i i think one of the reasons he was appealing and made so much sense from a scheme fit for the browns is right now they don't have a reliable number two they greedy williams was, was taken two years ago he was banged up his first year and then has this nerve injury in his shoulder that sounds like really could be a career threatening and so I, I think some Browns fans are saying, hey maybe we take somebody in the draft to help support that second corner position opposite Denzel Ward who by the way has had his own injury issues mm-hmm. uh, of course too and so I think the appeal of Troy Hill is okay he plays you know slot but also he can play two and it sounds like you're saying you feel that that might even be a better position for him. Well that's where he may end up. Uh, depending on the draft situation and the injury situation with the Browns, he may be, he may be playing a ton on, on the outside and against some pretty good teams. Hopefully, assuming the Browns are back in the playoff picture, you look at the top teams, of course, Kansas city, you know, the Browns are going to be playing the Steelers twice a year. Uh, you know, he's going to have some matchups where they're really going to need him against some heavy wide receiver teams.
2: Well, I mean, Especially if Denzel Ward is healthy, you're gonna. That's gonna be good for him. He he did really well opposite Jalen Ramsey. So you if you have a good, strong number one to play with. He also did really well competition. I, I mentioned Darius Williams, Darius Williams, uh, David Long, the Michigan guy. Okay, nonetheless, despite the fact that Michigan got all these corners, the Rams brought in. He really grew with the competition. Like the Rams foster competition in camp and you never really were 100 sure what your job was going to be and i think he grew a lot from that keep putting him in that situation where you know he's kept honest on it and you'll see him flourish i like the troy hill signing a lot for them you know and I, if you're concerned about the number two i would like to see the browns go out there and get somebody in the draft early i mean troy's 29 years old he might be better off in the slot long term you know, I don't. I don't see him being there for very long. I think it's a stopgap fix for them until they have somebody more permanent in the picture. But he'll do the job. He's very good, and you know, I think a lot of people will like him. He's a playmaker. He's a playmaker, and if he had been more consistent early in his career, you would know his name more.
0: And I think you mentioned the Ohio ties. Of course, is that does that mean he's going to play better in Cleveland necessarily? Maybe not, but selfishly, as as a Browns fan. It's felt like a lot of times in the last five to seven years that a lot of guys have only come to Cleveland because they've gotten more money than they expected in other places. But both in the case of John Johnson and Troy Hill, it feels like they're coming here in part because of the city and the team. And you mentioned he rises to the occasion. Well, the expectation for this team is the playoffs. And so if he shines bright on those brighter stages, that also is music to mind.
2: Well, we had this conversation last night on our show, um, you know, and not really about him in particular, but about the Browns. Like, are they, are they now the Green Bay of the AFC? And I, I look at this, one. well, Green Bay is a, a city of 120,000 people with nothing else to do but get cheese. I look, I look at Cleveland. Again, I'm an Ohioan. I'm a transplanted Rams fan. I'm an Ohioan. I look at Cleveland, the city on a lake that i-90 runs through you can be in new york city in hours you can be in cincinnati in a couple hours chicago in a couple hours it's, a, it's an artery. it's a it is a hub to be able to do a lot of things to be a, a part of a lot of things and listen in when it comes to cleveland if you do right by the city of cleveland you will never pay for a meal there you'll be a legend there and you know that makes cleveland to me more of a draw than green bay will ever be Green Bay's only advantage is they win. But what happens when Cleveland wins? When they actually live up to what this Browns organization used to be? And that matters. Like, this isn't the mistake by the lake anymore. That, that, that horde stadium is long gone. They have a fine place to play now. They have a, an organization that has its crap together. They're built to win, and that makes them a draw not for everybody. Some people don't like cold weather, but to me, it makes them a much easier draw than even green Bay would be. How good of a, how how many of a draw will green Bay be once Aaron Rodgers is done?
0: Well, I think there are, even when he's there, I, uh, there's always been a, a, a reputation that they don't sign free agents in part because free agents don't want to sign with them. And so I, I it, that certainly I think plays into it for sure. And as far as the Browns are concerned, this has been the, the most exciting offseason I can remember in a long time. You've had a, a stable head coach and quarterback situation that you don't have to worry about. And then on top of it, they go make some moves in free agency that are praised around the league that seem to make sense with this roster. It feels like things are coming together as far as the team construction and uh, expectations. It's certainly... I'm always reticent to get too excited as a Browns fan. Maybe that's just my nature because of the last 20 years, but it's certainly starting to feel like things have uh, changed as far as the culture is concerned and as the team is concerned, as you brought up.
2: Oh, I think they are. and you know, when you look at the main rivals division, Baltimore, I think is, you know, Baltimore has lots of great pieces. They have a playmaker, a quarterback, but you know, let's be honest, that team that two years ago, should have been a Super Bowl champion. They weren't. Okay, this past year they they bumped back the back just pack back to the pack, despite the fact that they had, in my view, even more talent in the roster. So what the heck's going on? What's been going on with the Ravens organization? They can't get over the hump again. The Steelers. Do they seem like they're sync to you? The Bengals are to me. They're the Bengals. They were better, but I mean they will never be willing to spend the money. The Browns will for that extra guy to keep them over the edge. So I'm looking at the Browns the next four years. And I think if they keep on the path they're doing, if they keep, if they can they're on a stable path. This is the first time you can really say, Hey, this organization is actually stable. The Browns are stable. They have a good talented core. They have a, a, a coach who, clearly probably should have been hired the first time he was up for the job. The the Browns, to me, they're the future of the AFC North right now, in my view. The Steelers are are coming back to the pack, and and they will always, they're a great organization, they'll figure things out. But this is the Browns' time to shine, from what I see it. And I'm telling you this now, mark this, write this down somewhere. And when you see this happen, you're going to think of this podcast. John Johnson and/or Troy Hill are going to make a game-winning or game-breaking play against one of those rivals, especially the Steelers.
0: Well, that sounds Cash that, that check. <laughs> that sends uh, shivers down my spine. as somebody who's, who's tired of uh, seeing the Steelers and the Ravens beat the Browns, well, I would love I'll, nothing more.
2: I'll say it flat out. Because this is what the Browns did get that we didn't really get to. They got guys who are winners, okay? And throughout the years now, I've seen Troy Hill and I've seen John Johnson make plays in some of the biggest games in Rams history, okay? I've seen them make plays against their biggest rivals, like the Seahawks, against Russell Wilson. I've seen these guys make plays against Drew Brees. I mean, in some of the most critical games the Rams have been in since Sean McVay took over, Troy Hill and John Johnson have often been involved on defense, okay, for, you could talk, we could talk about Troy Hill's flaws and his flaws usually are, he will make the occasional bone bonehead mistake, okay? He'll make it, he'll, he'll read something wrong, He will make up for that. And it's usually in the biggest setting overall. These guys are gamers. And that's really what should excite Browns fans. They went out and got gamers. They're not your name stars. Although John Johnson should be. But these are gamers. And they're gamers in the biggest games you're going to have. So write that check somewhere. Remember this podcast you will see one of those two guys beat the Ravens or beat the Steelers or both in the next couple of years, in at least one game. I'm dead serious. And I'm not saying that because it, because I'm Nostradamus. I'm saying, because I've seen it time and time again, in the biggest games on the biggest stages, those guys make plays.
0: Well, that is what every Browns fans wants to hear for sure. That is, is a, Fantastic as far as a review of those two guys. Derek, you've got me ready to run through a wall and it's March. <laughs> I can't wait to see these guys in the Browns uniform and making plays for them. I, I, I don't think there's a, a better way to end it, that, to end this, than to write that down, clip, file, mm-hmm. save. I've got it. We're ready. And when it happens, I'll be giving you a special shout out because that's <laughs> why I can't, I can't wait for it.
2: I mean, and, and just to note this too, you know, as a Rams person, a guy who's been covering this team for a decade, losing, especially John Johnson, man, that one, I've, you know, I've seen a lot of players come and go over the years. I've seen, I saw the Rams waste James Lauren Ice's career, for example, the wasted Chris Long's career the one that hurt the most I wasn't seeing Kurt Warner go because you saw that coming, right? It, you know, the one that's hurt me the most personally because I just loved how this guy performed on the field was John Johnson. And I know that sounds crazy, right? Like why, why are you feel this about Kurt Warner? Because at the time I thought Kurt Warner was done. It's a testament to Kurt Warner come back later, but John Johnson at his peak at 25 years old, being what he was to that secondary man, that one it hurt and it will hurt.
0: Wow, um, powerful uh, powerful words there for for sure. Derek, thank you so much for providing your perspective on, on these guys. You can tell just hearing it in, in your voice, it, it, how much you've watched these guys, how much you, you've attached to them. And of course, providing context about the way they play, they all of that. So I, I can't thank you enough For coming on. This was fantastic stuff. You got it. And that will do it for us here on the rebuild. I hope you guys enjoyed those conversations with Derek Ciapalla and Derek Larger. Got some great perspective, great context on the Browns free agent signings. Learned a little bit more about their playing styles, why they're free agents, what we could expect for them on this team. And certainly got me very excited about this offseason. It continues to augur nothing but good things for this Browns team. All right, Browns fans, we'll be back with a Monday episode, as I mentioned. Until then, please subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff to help support the show. And just two words for you, go Browns.